voice is still kind of weak here right now. Thank you for all of you that uh, uh, covered our family in prayer during the circumstances and trials, the loss of my mom and, and all the different things of my brother-in-law. And I realized that, that when I was kind of praying about it, somebody said, gosh, you seem like you're just under attack. It really doesn't make a difference who I talk to. Somebody's passing the baton to somebody else. Everybody seems to be under attack in this world. And it continually comes. Uh, I don't think that we should be surprised. Nobody in this room was designed uh, by purpose to live in this land forever. We were designed to live somewhere else. And in, and in uh, living here, we are simply uh, having a shadow of what is yet to come. With all the different emotions that go through a home when there's things like death and all kinds of different struggles and stuff, it, it's, it's amazing. We as adults have a hard time processing. We can't figure this thing out. And nobody knows the mind of God, it says, except for the heart and the spirit of God himself. But we kind of wonder, we're not sure. And, and I had uh, firsthand experience because uh, I've got little ones living in the home and then uh, my youngest son uh, took off to get some time alone with his wife, and he left his two kids with us. So we had six little ones in the home, and uh, things were going really well. It was a really good evening. Uh, Jess and Janie had planned things for the kids. That was wonderful. And then bedtime comes, and when bedtime uh, came, uh, everybody to go to their own quarters and, and try to kind of get comfortable, things are starting to quiet down, and, uh, and at this time, a lot of the emotions that I'm sure uh, the little ones are not sure how to process, uh, you know, going through, possibly looking and, and being able to view uh, a dying lady, uh, and just that all the different things that go on. I hear, after everybody's quieted down, my little grandson, EJ, Dada! Dada! And I knew that uh, his dad wasn't there. So Nancy says, can I just go get him? And I said, well, let's just hold off him a little bit. Dada! And sure enough, we go get him, and it changes, you know, Papa, Grandma. And the moment we held the little one, he just snuggled in, and he fell asleep, and he felt safe. He didn't have to figure anything out. The, the safety overcame all the confusion, just the, the warm comfort of his grandpa and grandma at that time. We look at a passage today in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10, and before I go into this passage, there's a lot of little uh, principles that you can gather. You, you might have a many, many that I would love to hear of some of the principles that God uh, reveals in this little portion of Scripture. But I want to start right now by telling you what I want you not to miss today. Uh, there were some songs that were saying that, that really caps, capsuled this and, and put it, uh, the words around it, put the emotion around it. But I want to tell you right from the start so that you don't get lost in all of the, the uh, different kind of practical applications you can make. I believe over and over when Jesus was here on this planet, he, he, he shocked his disciples, he shocked the Pharisees, because for the first time ever, 
did somebody refer to Yahweh, to Jehovah, as Daddy? Daddy, Abba. Jesus started and never quit referring to his father as Abba. The word literally is what I told you EJ said. The word is a little Jewish kids, when they can't really quite speak out words, they usually da-da, they usually have something, and that's the first words out of their mouth. This is kind of the picture I want you to see, and the thing I don't want you to miss here is that this life, and God tried to reveal, is this, this positional relationship from a child to a father, that he would be your father and you will now be his sons and daughters. And so, if you would turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 13. The background of this, I'm not going to go back in and read it all. You can do this, read a little bit before it. It's very, very essential that you know what was the background before he did this. In the book of Matthew, in the book of Luke, in this scripture where any of this illustration and they recorded this, uh, this circumstance that they saw, it came after something that I think was important, and that was you had disciples, you've had you know, different people, but mostly the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and who will be the greatest and who will get to sit at what seat in the kingdom of heaven. It was always in a response after this conversation that he did this. So you gotta remember they're talking about who's going to be great. Starting with verse 13. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. Now my first time I read this, I thought, you idiot disciples, what in the world are you doing? But you know, I don't know if you're like me, but if I have an agenda... And maybe I've got some things that I really, really am trying to accomplish, and kids are making all kinds of noise. Don't you want to just say to their parents, get control of them, Katie, get control of your kids. We have an agenda here, and I can relate. It, the funeral, when we went to the funeral, and uh, you had to have been there to the wake to see something that happened there. But when we were at the wake, and, and all these things were beginning to happen, and, and, and I love the stories, and I love the, the illustrations that people had had with my mom. And my grandkids, you could hear them in the background, and obviously that the door fell off in the back room. And, and uh, somebody said, it's Friday the 13th, and it's a full moon. Uh, I don't know if that has a lot to do with it, but my first thing was, get control of your kids. I, this is an important event. As I'm saying this, I'm preparing for this message, and this verse comes right to my mind. And Jesus, and they rebuked him. I'm thinking, all right. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said, Permit these children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter into it. And he took them in his arms, and he began blessing them, laying his hands upon them. I want to take some, some, give you some pictures here. The, the word, we're going to start with a backwards, and he became blessing them. 
we, we don't really understand in our culture that terminology that was used back then. Uh, blessing them had in it a, something that would say this, I see you, and I will always see you. Now, so many of us are kind of uh, reminded of the movie, the, the, I've got to be careful, Falkers, uh, when, when he goes, I see you. You know, and, and we think of God sometimes whenever you're doing something wrong that he's saying, I'm looking, I'm watching you. This is the opposite of that. This is a word that says, I see you. And it's taken from something of an adoption process. Now, the adoption process that, that was happening back then is also a little different than the adoption that, that we have today. If you've adopted some children, they usually call you there and they have a child for you to come and pick up and you pick up the child and you grow to love the child and love it as your own. But this adoption at this time when it was talked about was way similar to an adoption that took place in the United States in the 1800s. In the 1800s, there was so much uh, things happening, there were sicknesses, and so what happened, and this is, this is known uh, that there was over a thousand little kids that were placed on a train, and the train would pass from the east all the way to the west, and it would stop at docks. And when it would stop at docks, what they would do is they would take the kids and line them up like cattle. And then people would come, and they would look at them, they would examine their teeth, they would examine uh, different things about them, and they would basically choose them and adopt the ones that they felt were going to be good for them. That's more of the picture. The picture that God is saying this is that sometimes uh, people are born. My nation of Israel was born into my family. But I want you to know, children, I see you. I chose you. I picked you out of people. I saw all of your blemishes. I saw everything about you. And I said, I take this one as my own. This was something that was, wow, I am special. I am special. And when he basically calls us to adoption of sons in, in Romans chapter uh, 8, he says, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which you will learn to cry out, Abba, 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 Father. And if you're children, then you'll be heirs. And if heirs of God, you'll be fellow heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, you can count on it that you will also be glorified with him. Do you get the picture? This is a picture of when you come to faith and you would realize that God chose you and adopted you into his family. It isn't that all of a sudden, okay, we'll just kind of let you in. And you're not quite like the ones that are the real, you know, ones that were born unto me. He's saying, no, those that were born unto my nation were born unto me, but I chose you. Can you see that finger pointed just at you as, I chose you, Lucille. I picked you out of all that would be born on this planet, and I saw everything about you. I chose you. I chose you. And he says, therefore, then, he says, unless you could become like a child, and this is really uh, something we're going to look at, it is, it is, is the position 
of a child-father relationship. And the word here for child, there's a lot of words in the Greek language for child. Two of them are used throughout the passages. One of the words is a, a child that not yet is capable of speaking. They're immature. They cannot exist on their own. And he said, unless you can get yourself in a posture of realizing this, you cannot survive this planet on your own. You are desperately in need of a protective father. And yet, here we have. You'll also notice when you cross-reference this, you will see that right after he talks about this in the book of Matthew, he says that there will be stumbling blocks. Right after this passage, he said there will be stumbling blocks. This world has many stumbling blocks, he says, and woe to the one okay, that causes one of these little ones to stumble. And I used to read that, and I used to think that meant, you know, woe to the person that leads one of these, you know, into sin or something like that. It has a little bit of that, but I want to give you the picture of that. The word stumbling block is taken from a trapper's snare. I used to trap. I thought I was Daniel Boone when I was younger, and I was going to make a living. Uh, my sister knows it because she would giggle at me and laugh at me as I'd go out in my little David Crockett suit. And I was going to go ahead and trap. And I had all these traps. And a trap, basically, uh, you set out, and the whole idea is to ensnare something. And so you have a trigger, and, the, and you have bait. And they're to, when they go for the bait, it's supposed to release the trigger, which would then ensnare whatever you were catching. This is the word stumble, is that this world is going to set a trap for these little ones, and it is going to trap them that they will stumble and close. In the context of all three of these scriptures, here is what I have come to realize that this is saying. He is saying this, you're bragging about who's good, who's done all the right things, who's done all these things to earn my favor, and so you, want to, you somehow think that you earn my favor and you earn my position in heaven. And he says, I want you to know that is not the picture whatsoever of my grace. My grace is this, that unless you become like a child and you realize you don't earn anything from me, I adopted you, I chose you, none of your performance, none of your lack of performance does anything. And for those out here that are going to try to trap you and say, you have to keep performing, you have to keep doing things, and as long as you keep performing and memorizing these scriptures and attending church and doing all these things, that is an entrapment. That is causing someone to stumble. It is saying, children, you can earn your way on this planet with God. That's the stumbling. And we are bombarded with this in our life. Let's take a little bit of a comparison of what I think that you and I have been taught most of our life, and that is, um, I want you to look over on this side over here. This is going to be what we call a childlike spirit. And let's move over here in advance to what we call an adult spirit. A childlike spirit is independent. They're independent. The adult spirit, I mean, I'm sorry, the childlike is dependent, totally dependent. 
We have been trained to be independent. We can make it on our own. The child's spirit is teachable. They're constantly wanting to learn. They're constantly wanting to find out about things. Why? 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 If you've ever had a little kid that's three, why? Why? And then you tell them the answer, then why about that answer? Then why? This is a childlike spirit. The adult spirit, we're professionals. We're experts. We don't need to know why because we're adults. Always anticipating to learn, and nothing is ever in stone to a little kid. Over here, adult spirit, religious spirit, no, we're not going to do that because that's never the way we've done it. This is always how we've done it, and we'll always do it this way. I almost made a shot at something today. Uh, I love the songs that Tom picked today, and I was up listening to them, and I said, you know what, let's just shake this place up today. And I probably should have. I just had too much adult spirit going on over here. And it basically was, I was going to give a few words, let him sing some of the songs, part of the songs, do some of this, and let us just mingle back and forth and see if the songs and the message would do something. I'm not sure that is what the childlike spirit was telling me, but my adult, oh, this is not the way it's done, says we can't really do that yet because you know what? We haven't really rehearsed it. Jesus says, Oh, I praise thee, O Father of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to babes. Yes, you have revealed them to babes. The child spirit, they're never bothered, and they're never ashamed to say, I don't know. We've been taught that we cannot say, I don't know. I am guilty of this more than ever. When I began a counseling center and a counseling ministry, I was supposed to be speaking for, the, you know, for God. And to be frankly uh, honest, the 37 years later, I look back and I think, how much baloney did I give telling people things that I did not know? But you know what? I couldn't let them know I couldn't know because I had become an adult. These children are reckless in the arms of Abba. They are reckless in the arms of Abba. I'll never forget when Kyle, my youngest son, was a little kid. He had uh, a little thing that he would do. Whenever I came home from work, we lived on a split foyer, and wherever I came home from work, he would hear the door open. He'd drop whatever he was doing. He'd come, and he would just leap, and I would open the door, and I'd have to be ready to catch him. He was reckless. He just knew Papa will save me. One day I came home from work and a friend of mine, Dr. Jim Mortimer, came through the door first. <laughs> uh, the ball did not get caught. But this is the way that when you begin to know Abba and you can begin to realize that unless I become like a child, I'll never enter into this kingdom. Remember, it's enter into the kingdom. All he's saying is you don't enter into the kingdom by anything of your own. You only enter into the kingdom by being totally 
to the place where the word amilka, which basically means you are incapable of living life as an infant is. And until you know that, you won't enter in. Kids love surprises. Adults don't want to be out of control. They're always open to change. You know, if you send a kid into this church, they will not go necessarily and sit in the same seat that they sit, you guys sit in every week. I can turn this way and I can, I can start naming where I know everybody in here is going to be sitting. And some of you are squirming because somebody got your seat. Okay. These kids, that's not on their book. I'm going to ask you to do something this week. I want you to just study kids sometime. Now, I will admit, and I think you can even ask yourself this, you will see things about kids that blow you away that you wish you were more like, but you will also see beginning into this whole thing of childness. And when God says, put away from you this childless, these childless ways, there is things that are childlike and childish. You'll see it in one... Parents, you'll see... One second, this childlike, total throwing yourself at Abba, and in two seconds, that's mine. I asked my daughter-in-law, I said, what is it? When you look at your children, you got four of them here, and, uh, and what is it that you would say by looking at this that you think that you would define children? And these are some of her answers. They believe, they have faith that I can't even imagine. They believe in the impossible. When my mom died and uh, we were kind of trying to explain these things, uh, I noticed the older the kids were, and a lot of it appropriately grieving because of grandma, they had good relationships, but the younger ones, the comments were absolutely amazing. Kale, Papa. Don't be sad. Grandma's right now with Jesus and walking around with Jesus. There was no doubt in his mind of anything. And how, you know how we can fix it? Let's just go over to her house and we'll just remember how good she was. This is a little kid. She also said, they live in the moment. They live in the present. They are not consumed by the past. The Bible said it is not by wisdom that you look at the, the previous days before you, you. And he also says, do not look, cast your thoughts out into tomorrow. Today's issues are sufficient for today. Watch a kid. They live right now because to them, it's the closest that you and I will ever get to what eternity is going to be like. Eternity has no time. I know that boggles some of you. It boggles me. God says there is no, one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as one day, is we live in the presence of time. Jesus is time. Kids live like that. They're not sitting here worried about the next 20 minutes, what's going to happen. They're not fretting about if there's going to be anything on the table, even though you and I might be fretting, they're not. Here's one that caught me, I have not thought of this. They are so quick to forgive and not carry a grudge. 
Now, I, I never realized this. I, I realized it with my dogs. When I've had dogs and you've had to discipline dogs, have you noticed if they do something wrong and you, you spank the dickens out of them, whatever like that, and their tail's between their legs, and the moment that you say anything to them later on, like you'd say, hey, Tuchel, then they come in, they're wagging their tail, they're just friendly. They do not carry this grudge. Little kids don't carry grudges. They forgive. They forget easily. So I ask you in some of this, what can we take from this besides just the childlike stuff and try not to be so adult in our thinking? Try to see what he meant when he said, just become as one of these, dependent upon me. You're incapable of, number one, you're incapable of even coming into the kingdom. You don't know how that happens. You don't know how to eat. You don't know how to do anything until you come to the place where you're like uh, the night that he was talking to his disciples, and he said, unless you abide in the vine, you won't bear any fruit. You can do nothing apart from me abiding in me. He says, unless you become like a child, you won't enter it. You won't see it. You won't experience the kingdom of heaven. Everything in this world is telling you that it's a stumbling block, and it even says, woe to those I was counseling this last week, and uh, we've had some people that are just, just beautiful people, and they got involved in a church where uh, it, the doctrine was not teached accurately. As a matter of fact, it was used improperly, and it was used to almost entrap in such a way that it put them in somewhat of a cult. These are beautiful people. And this verse came to mind, it's woe to the one that would cause stumbling. What they were telling them is all your things are being viewed by God and they're being measured day by day and your acceptance and your love and your uh, adoption into my family is, is basically earned by your performance and how much you do and how much you give and all the different things. And they were entrapped and ensnared and they were dying, dying, dying. And God just snatched them out by just a miraculous way that they began to come out and they were so hungry for some sense of truth. And they came out and they, they would cry and you'd visit with them and say, why are you crying? What did I say? Nothing. I just have never heard this type of love. They went from this adult stumbling entrapment of you must keep on doing these things because he sees you and moved into a place of blessing where it says, Honey, I see you. My eyes are always on you because I chose you. And I find favor with you. You are special. I encourage you to at least think about your relationship and this position of childlike dependency upon Abba. Psalm 91 says that, uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And it goes on, and, the, and the, the illustration is one of somebody coming under the wings. If I, if I can come under the wings of the Almighty, I will find refuge and safety there. His pinions will cover me. I will never have to be afraid of the pestilence that comes at noon or the bad news that comes in the evening. I don't have to be afraid because when I get afraid and I don't understand, I can just run underneath the wings of my Father 
And if you'll see a little child, whenever they get nervous, they come right around mama's leg, they wrap around the leg, and the, all you see is a little eyeball pinking out. And they're safe. They're safe. And whenever I see that and I watch that, and I watch a, I can see my little grandson out there right now, and if I would call him, he'd come up here, he would be nervous up here. And he would turn to me and he'd reach up, and when I picked him up, he would tuck his neck right here. Now, I like it, but he feels safe. All of these people out here disappear when his head is tucked into my neck. I want you to close with me as I read something to you. I've enjoyed uh, an author. Last time I even talked about an author named Max Lucado. And uh, he wrote something about this. And I would like you to make this your prayer, or at least make it a prayer that God is making towards you and listen to it and see if you can brace it. And then, Tom, if you would have the people come up right now, it would be neat. And it's just this being safe. It's being safe in Abba's arms. <clears throat> my child, I want you in my new kingdom. I've swept away every one of your offenses like the morning clouds. Your sins like the morning mist. I have redeemed you. This transaction is sealed. The matter is settled. I, Abba, have made my choice. I choose you. And I choose you to be a part of my family forever. Ponder on these things as you listen to this music. And stand and sing. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. Anita, would you bring up the second verse? From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. And love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. Amen. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Amen. It's a great truth to carry with us through the week. God bless you guys. Don't forget about the fundraiser downstairs help out the middle schoolers if you don't go help them out you have to go on the retreat and uh, sleep in bunkhouses with them